Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Travis Ryer of the BamaOnline.com staff from the BOL Home Studio following Alabama's 52-46 win over the Florida Gators in the 2020 SEC Championship game. That's right, another late-night edition of Instant Analysis here on the 247sports.com home for Alabama football and basketball coverage. You had Alabama basketball earlier in the day. We won't get into that tonight. Too late for that tonight. But the Crimson Tide in one of the more memorable SEC championship games, really for a number of reasons. The fact that we even got to this point made it memorable in its own right. But for it to go down like it did with 98 combined points between the teams, uh, entertaining to say the least, no doubt about that. Maybe not so much entertaining for Alabama fans there. In that third quarter and really throughout the second half as the Crimson Tide had some opportunities to really put this game away before the fourth quarter, but wasn't able to capitalize on some opportunities. Some loose footballs didn't quite go Alabama's way and give Florida a lot of credit. I previewed this game throughout the week. My prediction was Alabama 45, Florida 34. So I had the points being elevated, and I kind of figured it might be one of those games where Alabama gets out in front and Florida finds itself in the uh, unenviable position of chasing this Alabama offense. And again, to Florida's credit, uh, hung in there and kept making plays. It looked like it looked like that sequence right there at the end of the first half where Florida made it a game again and then Alabama goes right down and scores just before intermission. That felt like sort of the defining moment when we look back on this game, we were going to point to that sequence right there with Florida scoring with under a minute and a half to go and Alabama answering uh, there before the half. But Florida comes out, cranks up the second half. And, you know, defensively for Alabama, I had concerns. Not so much just because I felt like Alabama was still deficient in some areas, but, you know, this is a Florida offense that came in averaging over 41 points per game in a year in which, We're talking about all SEC competition, so a very good group. Not a group that was going to kill you with the run game, but with Kyle Pitts back in that lineup, there was a false sense of security, I think, maybe for some Alabama people coming off that LSU upset of Florida last week, but there wasn't a Kyle Pitts in that game last week, and you still had Trayvon Grimes, and you still had Jacob Copeland, and you still had Kadarius Toney, who Alabama had absolutely no answer for. And so the matchups were still going to be tough, and that's exactly the way it played out Saturday night. But thankfully for Alabama, does Alabama have three Heisman finalists after Saturday night? Najee Harris with 245 scrimmage yards, five touchdowns, your SEC championship game MVP, hell of a night for Najee Harris. 
Mac Jones throws for more than 400 yards. Both quarterbacks in the game <laughs> throw for over 400. Uh, Devontae Smith, if it's possible to have, what was it, I guess, 184 receiving yards and it be kind of under the radar, I guess that's where we're at with Devontae Smith. He can catch 15 balls for 184 and a couple of touchdowns, and you're like, eh, that's a pretty good night for Devontae. But uh, the stars came out, and really you could say that for both teams, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The Alabama pass rush, to its credit, did get home five times, uh, didn't bring a lot of blitzes, mixed up coverages, tried a lot of different things. Again, had opportunities there in the second half. Florida fumbled the ball four times in the second half alone. Um or is, was it three? It was three or four. You know, Alabama got on one of them, and that was deep on the Florida end there and was only able to come away with a field goal. Two other drives, Florida fumbled the football. Alabama couldn't, or at least there wasn't a review on one to see if maybe Malachi Moore had come up with the football. And then Florida turns those into touchdown drives. After early on in the possessions, Alabama isn't able to come up with the takeaway. And you also had uh, one on the back end of one of those drives there uh, in the second half where Josh Job was flagged for offside and you forced the fumble on Kyle Trask at the goal line, but that's wiped away. So opportunities lost to really kind of change the tenor of this game, probably even in the third quarter, if Alabama is able to capitalize on some situations a little bit better. Um you know, we wondered about going into the game, some issues, some matchups like everybody did because of this Florida offense. And I thought Alabama's linebackers would be a real point of emphasis for the Florida offensive brain trust, try to get those backs on the inside linebackers. The adjustments for Alabama defensively look to be drop the outside linebackers to the backs in the flats and sometimes in the wheel game. You saw Dylan Moses there in the second half with a couple of penalties in coverage from the inside spot. So there were still some difficulties there with the inside linebackers and also more dime coverage against Florida, even though technically Florida was in 11 personnel with a back and a tight end. But when that tight end is Kyle Pitts and it's third and nine, you're going to play dime because that's a passing down and Kyle Pitts you essentially have to declare him as a wide receiver in those situations so took some lumps you know it wasn't just the young guys either I mean Brian Branch and Malachi Moore certainly a learning experience for those guys on Saturday night but you saw Patrick Sertan there early in the third quarter beat by Trayvon Grimes for the 51 yard touchdown Josh Job I thought played his butt off at the other corner but he too got hit with some flags and and had the offside down there on the goal line where he's trying to make a play. And so uh, just one of those games. You saw Nick Saban in the post game on CBS. You know, five years ago, I think he would have been frazzled, you know, almost heated at the way that game played out. But it seems like I wouldn't say he is content with the way his defense played all the time Saturday night, but I think he has removed himself from that period where he asked the question of, is this what we want football to be? I think he's kind of figured out that it doesn't matter whether we want it to be this or not. This is it. And he's gone out and accumulated the sort of firepower on offense uh, to give himself a chance against anybody in the country. And if he gets into a situation where he's got to score 50, they're capable of doing it. Now, on the injury front, wasn't good news for Landon Dickerson there late in the game. Looked like a knee injury. Uh, you saw Landon on the cart. You saw Landon... 
uh, with Jeff Allen and the medical staff. Looked like he had that left knee heavily bandaged and iced already. He had a torn ACL previously at Florida State. Not sure if this injury is related to the same knee or not. Uh, Did not look good. Nick Saban probably right now is addressing the media, but just from the early indications, uh, we saw Chris Owens jump in there late in the game at center. Uh, That may be the the viewpoint moving forward, Uh, and that's a huge blow. Landon Dickerson, not only physically such a presence in the middle of that offensive line, but you saw the reaction of his teammates and that team in general to him being taken off the field. A very emotional moment there for the Alabama football team. So we'll see moving forward. The good news, again, is that you do have a fifth-year senior available to you in Chris Owens, who has made some starts at the position. You also have Darian Dahlcourt, a younger guy, a talented guy at the center position. Um, You know, Emil Echior has worked at center in the past. Uh, So we'll see what the combinations look like moving forward. What do you got for me late night? Late night on a Saturday night post game, wild and woolly 2020 SEC championship game. Over 600 yards of offense for Alabama in the game, 605. Um, penalties became more of a problem in the second half, pretty clean in the first half. It was actually Florida that was having the penalty problems earlier. It was a cleaner uh, approach for the Gators uh, down the stretch. Florida. In the game, 8 of 11 on third downs. I don't think Nick's going to like that real good. Alabama, on the other hand, 9 of 15, but had that stretch in the third quarter where they just couldn't really get it going um, offensively that much. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian does a great job, but there were some times where you were wondering a little bit about a few uh, play calls, like uh, Jalil Billingsley taking a handoff from the backfield there in the third quarter. Yeah, William agrees. He says three Crimson Titers at the Heisman. Isn't the Heisman virtual? Yeah, that's a good question, Craig. Who comes out of this thing tonight as the front runner for the Heisman Trophy? I would think it's an Alabama guy. I would think it's Devontae or Mack. Um, And so that's what the, the, the question becomes now moving forward. You did hear Dabo after the Clemson uh, Notre Dame game talking about uh, it would just be an absolute shame if the Heisman Trophy did not associate itself with Trevor Lawrence. I agree, John. That's a big blow for Alabama with Landon Dickerson. Uh, again, it goes beyond just physical ability and uh, you know just uh, the identity that he brings to that group. Uh, it's it's team-encompassing in terms of, uh, of what it means, I think. A lot, of, a lot of response here. Ken and some others saying Mac wrapped it up tonight with the Heisman Trophy. It would be hard to argue. You know, Mac though, he goes 33 of 418 and throws for five touchdowns. And unfortunately for him, because he's been so good, um, you, you tend to think, well, that one interception, you know. Yeah, it does seem that way, Christopher. Even in games that, you know, you want to remember for what they were on the field for – 59 minutes and some change. Uh, unfortunately, you have an injury like you had to uh, Landon Dickerson. That's going to be a large takeaway, I'm afraid, from this game tonight. So uh, what are you expecting with the college football playoff reveal on Sunday? Obviously, Alabama 
is going to be number one. Clemson is going to be number two. How is three and four going to shake out? Um, I think A&M is worthy of the top four. Uh, I don't have faith in the committee seeing it that way. I tend to lean more towards Alabama one, Clemson two, Ohio State three, and I think Notre Dame's going to stay in the four. So, yeah, it was a little behind him too, though, the interception by Mac. You know, Mac had to move a little bit to get into position to throw. I think that threw the timing off just a little bit. Ball was behind Forrestall, and Dean made a hell of a play, but how about the play by how about the play by Mechie to force that fumble? One of five fumbles for Florida in the game, and John Mechie, a wide receiver, uh, forces that fumble. So there you go. Um, but, yeah, I think that's going to be the four tomorrow. I think Notre Dame stays in. Yeah, Alex, they have depth inside. We sort of outlined that. You hate it more for Landon Dickerson. He's a fifth-year guy. He's an unquestioned leader of this team. Um, you know, it's been a tough enough year with covid you just like to see everyone that, that has an opportunity to finish this thing out one way or the other on the field. And the concern now is that uh, you know one of your one of your top guys, one of your top leaders, isn't going to maybe have that opportunity. Shane wants a little revenge against Ohio State. He says that may have to wait to the final. I think Ohio State's going to three. I think you're going to get another Clemson Ohio State game. I would think that one would be in Dallas. I would think Alabama would go to New Orleans. You probably saw that today, too, um, with the Rose Bowl being moved to Arlington now. So they will be able to have fans uh, there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. <laughs> yeah, and that number eight, I could see where you would think that about that hit from John Mechie. You're thinking, well, what's Chris Harris doing on, Christian Harris doing on the field? Both number eight, but uh, that was a big play by Mechie, no doubt about it. Um, what else do we have this evening? Ronald, the MVP of the game was Najee Harris, 245 scrimmage yards, five touchdowns. That would tend to do it. Matthew, I saw the replay of the the situation with Dickerson. I thought... It was sort of just a football play that he was injured on. I didn't see where it was like a a low hit that he took or, you know, somebody stood him up and somebody else went low on him. That's what I was sort of anticipating going for the uh, going into the replay, but it didn't happen that way. Alex, yeah. What about Charlie Scott doing a little JK impersonation with that big punt late? That was a big punt. You know, that was an interesting scenario in its own right. Um, You didn't have Landon Dickerson in the game at that point. Uh, You're obviously trying to maintain possession. Florida only has one timeout. You're going to make them burn it. And I was a little nervous about Alabama handing the ball off there. You know, it kind of felt like Florida's got 11 in the box, and if you're just going to run the ball, 
I'd, I'd almost rather you just not even hand the ball off. But it worked out. Danny, we've been talking about Landon. Um, it, it, it didn't appear good with that left knee. I think, you know, big picture-wise, he'll be fine. And kind of the shame of that as an extension is that this is a guy, Landon Dickerson, listening to some people will tell you that he's been climbing draft boards too. You know, sort of a at least a top half of the second round, if not a first-round guy in terms of his stock lately. So uh, big picture-wise, you, you don't like that, but I, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, Michael, it was a surprise to see Xavier Williams in there. I was like, Calvin Ridley come back? I mean, we hadn't really seen Xavier. So um, to see him out there kind of early in the game and catching a pass, good for him. Yeah, that was uh, that was a bit of a surprise. D, I was worried about that through that stretch, and I was trying not to be that guy about this Alabama defense, but I did note on more than one occasion that, yes, statistically there is improvement, but you got to consider who you're playing against too. Now, that being said, there aren't two or three more offenses in the country other than Florida, and you might even include Alabama in those two or three that have the dynamic capability that Florida has. I mean, they're just a problem. And it's not just one or two guys, you know. It's three or four, and they understand how to get mismatches, even with their backs. And even if they don't complete some of those throws to the backs, look at the pass interference calls tonight. You know, those are 15-yard chunks. (laughs) David wants to uh, talk about going 11 straight SEC games without a missed extra point. We've talked about Will Reichard. We're uh, Team Will here on Instant Analysis. He's been, well, he's been perfect. You know, made another field goal tonight and um, stayed perfect on the extra points. So, uh, no, he's been outstanding. Wow, Jeffrey says add Will Reichard to those other three Heisman finalists. Yeah, Blake, I'm with you, man. I tweeted during the game. Three Alabama finalists for the Heisman Trophy, including Najee, who became Alabama's all-time leading rusher tonight, by the way, in addition to being the game MVP, in addition to scoring five touchdowns. He is your career leader in career rushing touchdowns at Alabama and career rushing yards now. How about that for a career? Yeah, Danny, you know, we heard Nick talk about Jalen Waddell earlier in the week. I know there were some rumblings going around, some hopeful rumblings that maybe Waddle would even dress out for the game. It's not to that point yet. But I don't think Nick slammed the door on maybe more so a championship game scenario because you're about to have a quick turnaround. You know, we're so used to this SEC championship game being played first Saturday and December and get it over. Okay, now we've got, you know, three or four weeks before we play a semifinal game. Not that way. I mean, you're back at it in a couple of weeks, a couple of Saturdays. You're going to be back on the field playing in a semifinal. So that might be a little tight, but then you get about a week and a half between the semis and the final. And, uh, you know, I think in the in the game week leading up to the to the semi, you'll probably get a better understanding exactly where he's at. Jeffrey wants to talk some Charlie Woods. He said, you know what? This college football is great, but Tiger Woods 
kid did some serious work down in Orlando in that father-son event. He did, man. I hope that kid gets the opportunity to live a semi-normal childhood because he can flat out hit it at 11 years old. He's legit. But um, it'll be fascinating to see what Tiger sort of exposes him to and keeps him from at the same time. You're welcome, Matthew. I always enjoy being here. Thank you for being here. Yeah, Michael, that was tough on Job down on the goal line. I'm not going to beat him up too much. I mean, he's trying to make a play. Um, I'd almost rather a guy be anticipating too much than just asleep, falling asleep there. And you know, he's playing a tough position. And he's probably in a spot where he knows he's got Tony on the edge coming in motion. And so he's anticipating and – uh, the ball was literally, I mean, you look at it from the side angle, the center, when he, you know, set the ball to snap it, it was already across the plane, it looked like. You just didn't have any real room to work. It's got to be hard in that situation as a defensive player. The ball's on the goal line, and you got to tell yourself, put your feet inside the end zone because you're trying to defend that little bit, that sliver of, that sliver of turf. Axel wants to know about Steve Sarkeesian and Auburn. I've said it before. If I'm Sark, it's still early in all this deal, man. I mean, we still got the NFL season to play out. Uh, who knows with college football still? Yeah, I mean, if Auburn wanted to talk to me, I would talk to Auburn. Um, the first thing I would ask Auburn is exactly who's my boss. Can you tell me that? If you can't tell me who exactly my boss is, then there probably isn't need for any more conversation but I'm starting to think if Steve Sarkeesian's around and at Alabama next year as the OC is he is he north of three million is Steve Sarkeesian the first three million dollar coordinator hmm. I think he is if he if he if he isn't a head coach next year is he a three million dollar uh, coordinator I, I have a hard time imagining him not being um, but we'll see We'll see. Yeah, I think Sark, you know, you see these names thrown around for these NFL jobs, and you're like, what? And I, I understand Sark has some, uh, some, some, has had issues. They're well documented. That's the good thing about Sark, too. I mean, you, you can find out, you know what you're getting in Sark. You know where he's been, you know where he's gone through, and, and where he's at now. I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. I've said it many times that my Jags could do a lot worse than Steve Sarkeesian as their next head coach, especially with the second pick if they're going to take a quarterback. Matthew says, hang out, win a few natties, make millions, take over when Saban retires. Yeah, I don't think there'll be a coach-in-waiting designation, though. I think that hurts you in recruiting a couple different ways, um, some that are well-known and maybe others that that aren't when you take that uh, approach with an official designation of coach and waiting what else do we got we're gonna get out of here on a saturday night i still gotta write as always gang we thank you guys so much for joining us here on instant analysis also of course at bamaonline.com we're gonna have continuing coverage throughout the weekend as the alabama crimson tide prepares for the college football playoff as the 2020 southeastern conference champions what about nick saban Asked him post game what this one meant to him 
And the, what I heard was Nick said it was the best. And we, you consider you won 11 SEC games without a loss and you navigated a pandemic to do it. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Axel, if I had a vote for Heisman, it would be Devontae Smith. That would be my vote. All right, gang. Thanks, David. Thank you. Appreciate it. John, appreciate it. You guys and gals, have a great rest of your weekend. Adam, you too. And we'll do it again real soon, the college football playoff again. Quick turnaround. So we're going to have you covered right there at BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network. Travis Schreier, once again, thank you. Have a great rest of your evening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.